Thanks for tuning in to MANA, a short daily meditation to feed hungry souls with God's Word. These episodes were prepared by ordained ministers for a radio broadcast called Voice of the Church and are now republished by the Reformed Perspective Foundation, a Canadian charity that applies biblical truth to the issues of our time. Here's today's serving. Good day and welcome to Voice of the Church, where we take our time to study God's Word month by month. We give thanks that we can look this month through the book of Daniel. The longest-lived monarch in the history of the Western world was King Louis XIV of France. He was known as Louis the Great or also as the Sun King. He lived to be 77 years old and having become king at the age of five, his reign was 72 years in length. Towards the end of his reign and the end of his life, he realized death was coming and he gave instructions regarding his funeral. He was to be buried in the famous Notre Dame Cathedral. During the service, his favorite preacher, Massillon, was to give the address. And in the service itself, he gave specific instruction that the entire cathedral be darkened. Every window darkened, no light on within the entire church except for a single candle. That single candle would be set upon his casket, the casket itself being made entirely of gold, so the candle would reflect off his casket and provide the only light in the midst of a dark church. The service went according to his wishes, until Massillon, the preacher he had asked to deliver the message, came forward to speak. Before he went into the pulpit, he first went to the casket, snuffed out the candle, and as the entire church was plunged into darkness, began his address with these words, Only God is great. In today's scripture reading, we are in the book of Daniel, chapter 4. We read the story of another great king in the history of the world, a king named Nebuchadnezzar. We read his account in Daniel 4, verses 29 to 32. We read these words. At the end of twelve months, he was walking about the royal palace of Babylon. The king spoke, saying, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling by my mighty power and for the honor of my majesty? While the word was still in the king's mouth, a voice fell from heaven. King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you, and they shall drive you from men, And your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make you eat grass like oxen, and seven times shall pass over you, until you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men, and gives it to whomever he chooses. Nebuchadnezzar was a great king, but he had to learn a very important message that only God is great. It's a message we still have to learn today and come to grips with if we are indeed to be saved through faith in Christ. You know, as Nebuchadnezzar looked at the city he had built, he was filled with pride. And there's something beautiful about building. There's something beautiful about improving things, making things better. Perhaps you're working on a renovation in your home. Perhaps you've built a shed in your backyard. Maybe you've spent time in caring for your future investments. And there's something beautiful in looking at the work that we've done and seeing that we've done it well. And that's not wrong. God has made us to work And God has actually, in our original creation, made us to care for this earth and develop it. But there's a difference between thanksgiving and pride. Pride looks at the self. Pride directs all things towards us and assumes it's for our glory. Thanksgiving recognizes that in behind us and in behind all things is a sovereign God. And He must be praised and all that we do must be for Him. And this is the sin of the human race. To forget that only God is great. To think that all things are to be about us and not about God. To look at the world and the gifts we've been given and the work we've done with arrogance 
instead of humility, with pride, instead of thanksgiving. We're going to see in our passage today how God breaks the pride of man. And we pray that God will also show how he can break your pride this day as well. The Bible tells us in Daniel 4, verse 30, that as the king spoke about the glory of his mighty works in Babylon, while the word was still in the king's mouth, a voice fell from heaven, King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken, the kingdom has departed from you. For Nebuchadnezzar, this action would mean he was turned into, in in a sense, a beast. He wasn't actually transformed into an animal. But he behaved like one. The Bible tells us his hair grew like the wings or the, the feathers of an eagle. And his claws, his nails grew like the claws of an eagle. As Nebuchadnezzar looked upon this wonderful city, uh, God would humble him. And God needs to humble us. We so often look upon the world as if it is made for us, as if all things have us at the center. Just listen to advertising today and see how they try to get you to buy the latest new thing. They use slogans like this, you deserve this. It's time to spoil yourself. I remember hearing advertising around the Christmas season where they said, now that you've shopped for everyone on your list, it's time to shop for the most important person, you. Watch how people are encouraged to think of retirement and to look upon all you've accumulated and to think this is now all for you. You've worked hard all your life, and now it's about you. Now it's time to do the things that you want. It's all about you. And so we look at our riches, and we look at our houses, and we say, Is this not Babylon that we have built by our mighty power and for the honor of our majesty? Many of us may not be at retirement age yet, but maybe we have the same approach to our work during the week. We work hard from Monday to Friday. We work hard at our work. We get our paychecks. And why? So that the weekend can be ours. This money is now ours, and it's time for us to relax and us to enjoy ourselves. Now, there's nothing wrong with relaxing or having a vacation. Those are things that God knows we need. He knows we need rest. But when we begin to look at the things we have, as if they are centered on ourselves and for us, it is a sign that we have fallen into the same sin of Nebuchadnezzar, the same sin of many people before us, the sin of pride. And God must humble us. Now, as we mentioned, God humbled Nebuchadnezzar in a very specific way. He, in a sense, drove him mad. He allowed Nebuchadnezzar's pride to drive him out from the dwelling of man. He lived in the bush, and he was wild for a time. How does God humble us? When we look at Nebuchadnezzar, we see a great king who had to be humbled to acknowledge that God alone is a great God. But in behind the story of Nebuchadnezzar is a greater king. The remarkable thing about how God breaks human pride as he first demonstrates humility and shows what the price of our redemption and salvation is. You see, Nebuchadnezzar had to go from being a great king to behaving like a beast. But for you and I or anyone else to be saved, the God of heaven had to go from being the almighty God who has all things in his hand to becoming a man. Now, while he remained almighty God, yet he clothed himself in humanity. He became truly human. Now, we might think that for someone to go from being a king to a beast would be quite a step down. But think of how much greater it would be for the God of all things who made heaven and earth by his command, for whom everything had been made, to actually go from being the creator of all the ends of the earth to being as one created, taking the form of a human being. 
But the Bible tells us that not only did Jesus take the form of man, but as a man, he took the form of a servant. He was a humble man. He would wash the feet of his disciples, one of whom would betray him, all of whom would desert him. And not only did he become obedient to serve, not only to serve his disciples, but to serve the poor or the sick or the weak or even the dead as he raised to life the widow of Nain's son. But he would be obedient even unto death, that the God who made all things, in whom was life, and that life was the light of man, says John 1, would himself be extinguished on the cross, he would die upon the tree, his human nature suffering death, that you and I can be redeemed. How does God break our pride? Because we're all naturally proud. We all naturally begin to think that it's all about us. We take offense when our our pride is insulted. How does God break our pride? The answer is he leads us to the cross of Jesus Christ. He leads us to the cross and he tells us, this is the price that I had to pay to redeem you. This is what it costs for me to cover your sin. This is what it costs for me to make you mine. I had to become human. I had to go to the cross. I had to bear the curse of the law to set you free. And when someone is brought to understand that in the cross, God declares his love for broken and fallen sinners in a way that is powerful to save, and that nothing less than the blood of Christ was needed to redeem us. That is where human pride is broken. That is where we come to realize that we are not the center of the world, where this world is not about us, where our strengths and our abilities are not about us, but God has given all this, that we may live for the glory of God, the one who alone is great. The question we ask today is whether or not we understand and have been humbled by the grace of God in sending His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for sinners like you and me. Have we been humbled? If we're not a Christian today, we have not come to realize how great God is and how great our sin is. We have not yet been led to the cross. And so if we are not Christians, if we do not trust personally in the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we must come to know Him must come to realize that we need a Savior. That's humbling, isn't it? That we cannot save ourselves. We can't be good enough to meet God's standard. We need a Savior, someone who can meet that standard for us and take the penalty of our crime so we don't have to pay that penalty. That's humbling. But if we're a Christian, we're not somehow beyond the challenge and temptation to human pride. It's amazing how sometimes as Christians we can take the entire work of the gospel and the entire idea and concept of the majesty of God and think it's all about us. We can go through a tough season in life and wonder, God, how could you allow this to happen to me? Haven't I done well? Haven't I tried to live for your glory? Haven't I tried to live for your honor? And we forget that this world has never been about us. It's about the greatness of God. And sometimes God allows his children to go through difficult times for his glory and for his honor. As Christians, have we had our pride broken? Do we look at our possessions as belonging to us and for us? Do we look at our health as as being our right and for our enjoyment? Do we look at our family as being that which God has given to to joy and, and, and strengthen our hearts in whatever season of life we might be in? 
All these things may be part of God's gift to us, and all these things should be enjoyed, but they must be seen as being given to us for the glory of the Lord. We can never lose focus on the fact that God is not here for us, but we are here for God. The Lord alone is great, and He has shown it in the sending of His Son. May God humble our hearts. May God help us to know the greatness of our God. And may he help us to live in all our ways to show the beauty of a sovereign God to the world he has made. Amen. <laughs> 